0: Thank you so much for being with us here today. My name is Chris, if we haven't had the chance to meet. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon and we are so excited to be in worship with you today. Whether you're joining us online or in person, this is a special day, and God has brought us here, not uh, for any coincidence, but I believe that God has a purpose, and God has a plan for what is happening here today. And so we are so grateful that you have joined us. We're finishing up a message series called Nothing is Wasted, and we've been looking at the story of Joseph, and so much of his life has been a journey. Uh, he's, he's journeyed uh, from... As, a, as one of Jacob's 12 brothers, he's, or his 12 sons, he's the 11th brother out of 12. He's number 11, but yet he was Jacob's favorite. And Jacob, his father, gave him this special coat. Um, you may have heard of this coat, this Technicolor dream coat, the coat of many colors that, that, Jacob, that Jacob gave Joseph. There's a lot of J's, and I'm getting them mixed up in the moment. That Jacob gave Joseph. And Joseph not only had this coat of many colors, this technicolor dream coat that set him apart, that made him special, that everyone knew that he was Jacob's favorite. Joseph also had some dreams. He had a dream, and this dream that he had, he, he shared with his brothers, and it, and it tells us, here in, in Genesis chapter 37, if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to, to go ahead and take them out. Open up your phones. I love the Bible app. It's a great free resource. Uh, I don't get any uh, any uh, extra money for, for plugging it every time I preach, but definitely go ahead and, and, and download it. I use it regularly. It's a, it's an awesome just to have on your phone at all times to have a Bible with you. And you can even take notes and save them and highlight things. It's just, it's a cool way to do it. Um, so if you're with me on in chapter 37, Joseph it already has this code. He's already kind of set apart. He's already, all the other brothers know he's, he's Jacob's favorite son. And this is what it says. It said, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more, right? Joseph had a dream. And I think when we're younger in our lives, we, we have dreams about what are all the possibilities that we can have for our lives. We have Dreams. We have so many dreams for our lives when we're younger, and as we get older, we start, liv- we start listening, I think, a little bit more to those that, that hate us when we, we have a dream, when we step out a little bit, and we know here in this story that, that Jacob's brothers not only started to hate him, they hated even more when he told them the dream here. They told him the dream, and I, you might be surprised about this, but when we started Horizon Church, when, we, when Eric and I first moved here a few years ago to start the church, uh, some of the people that I think actually hated us the most at times were, were other church people. Uh, when we told them that we were starting a church, oftentimes we, we'd get confused looks. Um, we would be kind of mocked or we'd be looked down on. And I think I know a little bit it feels like what jo- J- Joseph's story here is, that he was mocked and he was be- felt betrayed. But Horizon's always been about having a dream because we believe that God has a dream for your life. God has a purpose for your own life. Whether that's to start a business, we believe that, that in this room there are people that are, that are dreaming dreams that haven't yet even come true. If there's a ministry, if there's a way that you think that God is calling you to impact the world, we want you to dream that dream. If you want to reach people that haven't been reached right now, we want to help you dream that dream. And why do we want to dream big dreams? We dream big dreams because we believe in a big God that dreams a big dream for each one of our lives. Each one of our lives. God has a purpose and a dream for you. And so when we have these moments in our life that it feels like it's a wasteland and so much of this this Joseph story that we've been reading have had these desert seasons in Joseph's life, have felt like a wasteland. Like, he literally ends up in a pit, and it's only because he, two of his brothers, one says, well, maybe we really shouldn't, like, kill him, kill him, let's just throw him in a pit. And then the other one, Reuben, like, Reuben has a good idea. Well, if we're going to, like, knock out one of our brothers, and there's only going to be 11 of us, at least let's get paid for it, right? So Reuben and Judah, like, come up with this plan to at least, like, get paid for it and not actually, like, have to completely kill our brother— and so thankfully, they had come up with that plan, and Joseph gets sold off into slavery, and he literally is living in the pits. It's a wasteland of his life. But the wasteland of our lives is not the end of the story because we have a God that dreams big for our lives, that has a big purpose. And in this story of Joseph, there literally is no mention of, of this dream after he tells it to his brothers in Genesis 37. And each time, whether he's thrown in the pit, he's sold into slavery, he's in a jail in Egypt, at each time, there's no mention of Joseph being like, man, if I can just push through this, if I can just get to this next place, my dream would come true. There's no mention of it. At each instance, Joseph just keeps pushing forward, keeps being faithful. Praying, keeps believing that God is not done with his story. That God dreams a bigger dream for his life than he could ever imagine. That God has a bigger dream for your life than you could ever imagine. And here's the thing on a a week when we uh, had Prime Day, I literally ordered something on Tuesday. I have to admit, I ordered something Tuesday morning. It got delivered to my house, I think, by 3 p.m. that day. We live in a prime world, right? And Joseph's dream, I think, if you add up all the years and you follow and track the story, it took 13 years from the pit to Joseph being in a position of what seemed like power to serve his brothers when they came empty-handed. This was not a prime day dream where it's going to get delivered in a few hours in the afternoon and you got a great deal. It took a long time for this dream to come true. And Joseph didn't quit. He didn't quit. It took some time to get there. And here's the thing about our dreams. We don't even quite know where we're going with our dreams. Because I had one of those pit moments where I think Eric and I wanted to quit. We were going through a rough patch. We've talked about this before sometimes in Nashville. Uh, I had, was up for... Uh, for full ordination in the church and you have to write all these papers it's probably about 60 pages of, of theology work and of kind of biographical who you are and what what you're doing and I got to the very end of this like nine month long process of r- writing and interviews and I had I went into the interview and I was like I got this like this is it like it's going to happen and I had my mentor with me and we walked out of the interview two hours later and he's like, you did great. Like it's gonna, You're going to get great news at the end of the week. It's going to be awesome. And in 2016, it felt like my life fell apart because I didn't get good news at the end of the week. Everything that I had, had planned for, everything that I had hoped for came crashing down around me. But yet that season of life where it felt like a wasteland for me is now being lived out in a dream that I couldn't even imagine at that moment because I was living in the pits. Eric and I now spent the time wondering where God was calling us next. We began to wrestle with God just as I think Jacob did, Joseph's father, with where God was calling us. And now we are living in some of that wrestling, that, that season of, of we weren't sure where God's dream was going to take us. But it was in that pit of life that that Horizon began to imagine because we ourselves needed a new day in our life, a new day that was shining light and igniting change. And it was in that moment that we're living in some of the fruits of that pit. We don't always recognize our dreams when they first happen. We don't always recognize our dreams. Because see, here's the thing. When, When Jacob shared his dream with his brother's, the dream was quite weird, I'll be honest with you. If you if you go back in Genesis 37 and, and read it, it's a little trippy. Like, there's there's some sheaves of wheat, and, and we're standing around, and our sheaves of wheat start bowing down, or your sheaves of wheat start bowing down to my sheaves of wheat. Like, that's a weird dream. And it, none of that actually happens like that. And then he has another dream. He has this dream that involves... The, star, the sun and the moon and the, and the stars start bowing down. Like, this is a weird dream also. And none of that actually happens just like that. And I think so often in our lives, we, we get to that end and the dream does come true. But yet, we only recognize it when we look back. And you're like, man, yeah, God did do that. Oh, yeah, God, God used that moment. God used that moment too. Oh, oh, yeah. And I didn't even recognize it the whole time. It looks nothing like we ever began that original dream. Because when we have a different perspective, when we have some different dimensions to how God has worked in our lives, the dream takes different holds because God's dreaming a bigger dream, a bigger purpose for our lives than we even know. And so when Joseph's dream does come true, it looks nothing like what he thought. Because what his brothers thought and what he thought, it sounded a whole like, he was getting a position of just power over them, but yet he was in a position to serve his brothers. The dream was even bigger than he ever imagined. And at the end of, his, of this story, in Genesis chapter tw- uh, 50, verse 20, Joseph looks at his brothers and he, said, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The dream that he had looked nothing like how it turned out. I want to tell you about a guy. It's a, in some ways a lot like Joseph. There's a guy named um, Robert Barnes, and. He lived in about the middle of the 19th century in St. Louis. He became a, a kind of a, what we call a self-made millionaire of the time. And he uh, owned several grocery stores in St. Louis, eventually became the president of the Bank of Missouri, uh, was a large shareholder in the St. Louis Railroad. And uh, one of the things he even did was there was a young immigrant named Adolphus Bush, the beer guy, um, that was having trouble getting loans Um, He was a young immigrant, and he couldn't get a loan. And not only did Mr. Barnes loan him some money to start his business, the dream he had, um, he also kind of took him under his wing and mentored him of what what it looked like to run a business. But that's not what Mr. Barnes is most famous for today. Mr. Barnes, like I said, was a self-made millionaire. And at the end of his life, I think he died in 1891, And at the end of his life, he had outlived his wife, and he didn't have any kids at this point that were living. He had three children that that never made it out of infancy. He had three children that never made it out of infancy. And that loss, that pain, that pit, that wasteland in his life, that desert season of his life, as he looked back over his life, troubled him. But he didn't want it to go to waste. Because it could be intended for good, he believed. He believed. And so when Mr. Barnes died, he left nearly a million dollars. A million dollars in 1891, which is a whole heck of a lot of money. A million dollars because he realized that he himself had all this money, had all this power, had all these titles, all this privilege, but yet he himself could not even save his children. He couldn't save his children. And so what would it look like? If he gave a million dollars to start a hospital that didn't care about how much money you had, didn't care about what you looked like, didn't care if you had insurance or not, but you could be cared for. You could be cared for. And so he gave a million dollars to start a hospital. And he gave these million dollars to a group of Christians in St. Louis. And these group of Christians were part of the Methodist movement. And Horizon is a part of the same Methodist movement that believes that God's love loves people, and loves to see the world changed around them. And he gave it to the Methodists because he had seen the Methodists use their gifts, use their resources in the most economical way, he said. And he believed that they would do it in the most economical way to impact the most people. And the funny thing about Mr. Barnes himself is he had no religious affiliation. There's nearly no record that he regularly went to church. But he had seen the witness in the world of these Christians that cared for people that believed that that healthcare would be a priority. And so he gave almost a million dollars to start a hospital, to start Barnes Hospital in St. Louis. And the dream that he had to start a hospital doesn't look anything like it looks today. Eventually, Barnes Hospital would, would join forces with the Washington University Med School, would join forces with the Jewish Community Hospital, and Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, is one of the premier medical research universities, medical centers in the entire country today. All because Mr. Barnes knew that he had a pain that he wanted to share with other people. Because he believed that he could he could share that pain with other people and it would be to their benefit. Your wasteland will be for someone else's benefit. What you intended for harm, God will intend for good. And it's not just for for Jacob, for Joseph's family, it's not even for Joseph. It says, for many people there, in Genesis 50. It says, for many people. He was brought to this position. Joseph was brought to this position, not for himself, for his family, but for many people. And there's this, in chapter 48, there's almost like this hallmark ending to the story. And in chapter 48, Every, the family's all re- reunited and they're hugging and it's just kind of like a teary eye classic like end of the hallmark movie. And so um, Israel is, is also the same person as Jacob in the scriptures. So it says in verse 8, when Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? And they are the sons of God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. He said, you know, bring over the grandkids. Bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see them. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children too. I mean, this is like the classic Indian to a great story. The families reunited, he gets to meet the grandkids. And it's it's in this story that that now Jacob wants to bless the grandkids. Manasseh and Ephraim. And so Jacob brings them over to his father, or Joseph brings them over to Jacob, his father, and he puts Manasseh on on the on the left side, so he'll be on Jacob's right hand. And he brings Ephraim over and, and puts him on the other side, so that he'll be on the left hand. So that the older brother Manasseh will get the bigger blessing, get the double portion. And this, we have these great plans in our lives, right? We think if we just plan everything out, and it'll go, it'll go perfectly according to plan. And even at the end of the story, Joseph doesn't quite get. And so his father reaches out, and he reaches across, and he blesses Ephraim first with the right hand, and then he reaches across and blesses Manasseh, and and Joseph's freaking out, and he's like, no, 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 it's not supposed to be like that. I, I put him up perfectly in order of how this was supposed to happen, and Jacob goes, no, no, this, this is how it's going to be today. And so often in our lives, I, we, we line everything up, right? And we think it's going to be perfect. And God says, no, something even greater than I imagine right now is going to happen in your life. And it's not going to be perfect, but you're still going to get a blessing, right? In this story. And this, this then is, is Joseph's blessing, or Joseph's blessing from Jacob. He says, I'm about to die, but God will be with you. If you take nothing from the story of Joseph, remember this, God's going to be with you. If there's nothing else, whether it's in the pits or in the palace, God's going to be with you. And take you back to the land your fathers. And to you I give one more ridge of land. And so if if you're reading along in your Bible, it has one of these like little footnotes that you take down to the bottom. And this footnote says that this word, uh, a ridge of land, it actually means uh, the word Shechem. And Shechem, this place, this actual place in the Bible shows up a few other times. It's Shechem's the place where, where Abraham received God's promise that God would make Abraham's name great, that he would be a blessing to the generations. He would bless other people. Shechem was the same place that Jacob himself wrestled with God, or it was the same place right after he wrestled with God, right after he was on this long journey with God, that he stopped and camped, and there was a well that's now known as Jacob's well there. So Joseph now is given this place this place where they were going to bless other people, where after a long journey, Jacob got water. And Shechem shows up one more other place um, in the New Testament, and it's in this story from John chapter 4. And I'll be honest, this week, it was one of these moments where I got some goosebumps. Like, like, this is just a spirit story right here. In John chapter 4, it's a famous story, you may have heard about it, where Jesus, Jesus has a conversation with a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman. And so Jesus has been traveling, he's going through Samaria, and he's been traveling, and he stops at a well because he's thirsty. He's tired from a journey. And he comes, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And he has this conversation with this Samaritan woman, who's also been on a long journey. She's got a history with her. And she's looking to make a change in her life because she's been living in the pit. She's been living through that wasteland period where everything feels meaningless, and she's wanting a purpose just the same. And Jesus himself knows a little bit about it. He's been on this journey. He's tired, and he's looking for water himself. And they have a conversation. Our pits are not always even about ourselves, but our pits in our lives can teach other people something, just like Mr. Barnes, and just like the story from Jesus. Having a conversation at a well. I think so often in my life, I have these moments where I feel like I'm just not worth, worthy enough. I, I look on the news and I'm like, man, a lot of people have some great ideas and I don't have any, right? Like, I wish I could be Elon Musk. Like, I, he can move like complete markets with a 140 character tweet, and make millions and also lose people millions of dollars in, in just a few words. I wish I had that kind of power in my life. And I, then I, I could, could really carry out some plans. But God has a plan for your life. And if, if you are in need of helping that, find that plan, or if you have a plan yourself and it's not going as you planned, we want to be a part of that story as well. Or if you have a plan and it's going super well and you need more people to come around you, we want to be a part of that story as well. So whether you're in the pit or in the palace or somewhere in between, we want to be a part of that story. So today, right now, I want you to take out your phone and you can text the word pray with us, all one word, pray with us, to 94000, and let us know how we can pray for you this week. Because we believe that God has a purpose for your life. We believe that God has a dream, a dream that's even bigger than you imagine right now. And so we want to help you be on that journey because the dream that God's going to have for you at the end may not look like it is today. And we begin to imagine that when we we live in communion and pray for each other. So we want to be in prayer for you. So in just a few moments, the band's going to come back up and Erica's going to lead us in communion today. So as you finish up that text, sending us that prayer request, uh, I want to pray for you. God of grace and love, you have won the victory. The battle has already been fought. And no schemes, none of our doubts, none of our fears will win the day because your grace and love is enough for us. God, help us today to take a step to live into that truth more fully. So many things in our lives want to pull us from you. But God, help fix our eyes today on you. That nothing is wasted. Whatever season of life we're in right now, you're using it to shape and mold us into who you're calling us to be. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen.